Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. dogs out you know like who let the dogs out who who off the hook airing on off the your home for real news real opinions and what really matters about tennessee athletics always available on apple podcasts spotify stitcher google play tune in iheart like share follow subscribe always available wherever you find your favorite podcasts Good morning. Not much going on over the weekend, so I don't know how we're going to fill the next 90 minutes. Welcome to the program. She is Amanda LaFrada. In parts beyond, I'm Dave Hooker. And wow, 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 what a game as the Vols are able to top the Crimson Tide for the first time since 2006, 52-49. to 49. And what I would say is uh, I've thought about it for the past, what, 36 hours where it just ranks on my personal uh, entertainment games. And I'm talking World Series games. I'm talking anything. And I think that is is right up there. Top 10, 15, 20, if I really sat down and uh, broke it down. Just despite who, and we've seen this around the country, d- despite who you might have been rooting for, and I know a lot of our fans are Tennessee fans that listen, it was just a fantastically fun game to watch. Good morning, Amanda LaFrada. How are you? I'm doing well, Dave. How are you? I'm well. Your your thoughts on the game. I thought that um, both teams made a couple of mistakes here and there, but neither team lost the game. You might disagree. But I just thought it was an incredibly entertaining piece of a piece of sports content that was on at 3:37 on CBS. What did you think? Um it was actually, it was on for me at noon since I'm in Arizona. I've got to um, know about West. I thought it was a, a great, I mean overall a great game. I thought Alabama came out sloppy. Um Tennessee capitalized on that. I think that as I, you know, tweeted during the game, I think if Hendon Hooker is not the number 1 Heisman prospect out there um i think that that's that's a travesty because what he put out on the field and and how he played the game with as much composure as he played it's that to me was was incredible i'm um, watching him was a, a great like experience seeing the the kind of performance that he put on and then also tennessee's gonna have to pay josh heupel more money because I mean, he is he is a fantastic coach. He is ahead of the time. And I know we've always said, or I've always said that if you're going to beat Nick Saban, you have to do something 
to beat Nick Saban. You have to reinvent the game, kind of like Nick Saban did at Alabama with the defense. You have to reinvent that. And I think Heupel's done that. I mean, he's he's a solid, solid coach. I think that Tennessee fans should be very happy with what they have. You bring up a really good point. Nick Saban, he's the best defensive backs coach that has ever walked the face of the earth. And I do believe that uh, – when they were a defensive-minded team, and they're a little bit of both now. Um, but I do believe he was incredible at teaching his defensive backs how to use their hands below their shoulders and guide receivers that technically could have been called pass interference more often, but he had found that loophole. And as far as coverage schemes, I thought he was just way ahead of his scheme. He didn't know what he was doing based off the pre-snap looks. So, yes, I mean, maybe not as sexy for some fans as an offensive coach, but I thought he was way, way, way ahead of the game. And Josh Heupel, I think, is ahead of the game as well. Like you said, he reminds me of Steve Spurrier that wants to recruit, which that's a pretty scary commentary He, if, if you're in the East. he, I think it's, it's not the same. It's not the fun and gun, but it's different. It's kind of like the veer spread out a little bit. And uh, as a whole, I think uh, Tennessee – has a coach that that likes to recruit, is doing a good job, above average job. I don't know, an, an elite job yet, like Alabama and Georgia have done over the past few years. But that does bring me to this, Amanda. When you watch those two teams on the same field, I think you and I would have agreed that there was a significant talent gap between the two teams. I didn't think it was as significant as I did in the preseason. Just looking at talent, no matter – how they played necessarily. Did you think there was a monster difference, a difference or no difference at all? I mean, I think there was a monster difference, but I think Tennessee had the edge as far as receivers go. I mean, the, the quarterbacks, you can, you know, I mean, they're pretty comparable. I think Bryce Young is, is a schematically and, and the, the things that he's able to do in the pocket, I think he's a better quarterback than Hendon Hooker is. I don't think he's playing better than Hendon Hooker is. I don't think that the offense that Josh Heupel is providing, you know, those offensive schemes, I think if Josh Heupel had Bryce Young, it would be insane. Like they would, it would be absolutely nuts. Um, again, I think Hendon Hooker should win the Heisman. Um, the biggest difference I saw between the two teams was Tennessee's wide receivers versus Alabama's wide receivers. There was no comparison whatsoever. I mean, Tennessee's Jalen Hyatt, and I said this before the game, would be the one to watch. You for. did call that, by the way. Amanda got ma major kudos by Caleb Jaru, and I like working his name in anytime I can just because I like saying it, and I like Cajun food, and he's from uh, Louisiana. But major shout out, we talked about the most important player that's not a known commodity, which would be the hookers of the, the world, those type of guys. And you said Jalen Hyatt. Well, you're absolutely right. Maybe we have to take him off that list of being a known commodity after, after Saturday, though. After five touchdowns in one game, <laughs> I think he's off the list of, of sneaking in for, uh, into games and people not, not aware of him or being surprised by him. I don't think anybody's going to be surprised by Jalen Hyatt anymore. No, and I think we're going to be having the conversation is, is he better than Cedric Tillman? I've told you before, I like Brew McCoy's upside. I think he's one of the most talented players on this entire team. But I, I still am not 
sure that he is not uh, uh, that Jalen Hyatt's not right there, a lot closer than we thought. So uh, coming up, we will uh, visit with I think Marlo McKinney's going to join us here shortly. He was at the game, and I'm not going to away Marlon's age, but he's uh, he he's not a, a spring chicken like me, and uh, he jumped a wall and charged the field. And if I did that, I would be down and out. That would be the end of it. Uh, it would be hip surgery number two. Uh, it would it would not be good for Dave at all. So the down and thir- dirty at 30 is now. It's brought to you by Honeybee Coffee. Amanda, why is Honeybee Coffee so good? I mean, at the end of the day, it's just really good coffee. I mean, it just tastes really good. It's top 5% of the beans in the world. You can you can tell the difference between Honeybee Coffee and Folgers or, or whatever or the other place that you go with the green sign. Like you can just tell the difference between the two and, and honeybee far, far outranks them much better. Yep. Uh, absolutely. And like I said, a lot of coffee gives me headaches, but Amanda's uh, seen me down three cups and it was uh, unbelievably awesome and had a, a fantastic a couple of meetings now at Honeybee Coffee, so I highly suggest it. You can order all of their goods online, uh, and you can also uh, go to uh, their their website. Just Google Honeybee Coffee, and you'll be able to order it online. It is fantastically awesome. Uh, let's go to a couple of uh, notes from the, the message board real quick before we get to the down and dirty at 30. Uh, November the 5th, Tennessee at Georgia in Athens. ESPN College Game Day will be there. Plus, it will be a 3.30 or 8 o'clock kickoff on CBS. Now, we don't know that ESPN College Game Day is going to be there for sure yet. They're not going to announce that till the week before. But if things hold serve, you would think so. And Amanda, you picked Tennessee to beat Ala, excuse me, you picked Tennessee to beat Georgia from the get. I imagine you only feel as strong because other than an, an, a weekend blowout of Vanderbilt, Georgia has looked very vulnerable. Tennessee has looked very good. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm, I think I'm the only person here that thought that Tennessee could make it a 10 and two season. And now, you know, at, at bare minimum. And I know, I mean, Tennessee could go all the way. They could go undefeated. We have no idea. I think they'll drop one game. I'm not sure which one it'll be to. Maybe they'll overlook Kentucky a little bit um in in getting that georgia game but this this you know offense is unstoppable there's no defense that can keep up with it not in the nation there's there's no way and i think that's what hypel has again that's what hypel has done that's what he has brought um to this program that has been much needed but i i don't see georgia being able to stop him either and when you look at defense you know, offense versus offense, you're going to take Tennessee's offense every single time. It's who can put up the most points. I think that's what we've, we've now seen from Tennessee and from, I mean, really anyone in the SEC. It's who can put up the most points. And that, I mean, obviously, it's Tennessee. Big show on tap. We'll visit with Marlon McKinney, the author of Vol Stuff that wraps up all the Tennessee news in one day on offthehooksports.com. Also, also Chris Landry of Landry Football com and you know they don't play each other and i think wins and losses attached to quarterbacks is absolutely stupid but the simple fact is if you've got hendon hooker or stetson bennett in your corner which direction are you going 
I think that's an obvious yeah. answer. I don't think that's even a question. Yeah. Uh, Stetson Bennett, great story. Again, I would I would like to write the book, but it doesn't mean he's a great quarterback. And uh, Georgia has looked uh, pretty defeatable. Some other comments. Hyatt reached legend status. This is from Brittany and then some on Saturday. Uh, innocent uh, culprit says Hyatt reminds me of Peerless Price, probably a, a little taller and longer than Peerless Price. Um, the uh, innocent culprit said the separation Hyatt gets is incredible. Absolutely. He's fast as all get out, but let's not overlook what Josh Heupel is able to do. Uh, Brittany feels like Bryce Young's teammates did him a disservice. Not that I'm complaining. I don't. Um, what did you think of the surrounding cast offensively for Alabama? Pass protection was not great, uh, but I like Tennessee dialed up some great blitz pressures to overcome a pretty beleaguered secondary. So pass protection wasn't great. Um, there was one slant route, I believe, in the second quarter that was dropped that the guy may score from 80 because he was bare. Um, I, I, I thought that uh, I thought that Bryce Young made that offense go, and if not for him, you're talking high 20s, low 30s type of score. Amanda, would you disagree, agree with that? Uh, no, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think him and uh, Jameer Gibbs, I think, are the two – the two players that that took Alabama's offense on their backs. Uh, this is another thing that Caleb and I were talking about on Friday. Um, the play calling wasn't exactly that great. Again, once again, you have Bill O'Brien, you have Bryce Young in the you know back in the pocket, scrambling for his life every single play, and and that that is just ridiculous. Like it is ridiculous. Again, if you had Josh Heupel and Bryce Young together, they would be unstoppable. We've said it before. Bill O'Brien is just not – he's not good at, at what he does. He's just not. He needs to leave Alabama. He needs to go somewhere else and, and do something different. Well, he is – there are only so many things. There's a difference between a college and NFL coach, and there are only so many things that you can do in, in the NFL that you can do in college because – of the freedom for your offensive line to release. And I don't think that Bill O'Brien has really ever accepted that as a full part of his RPO package. So I think he's hamstrung by traditional NFL thinking, even though he's been a college coach for a number of years. And he just feels like an NFL coach in a college game. And they're almost two different games now. I mean, they, they, they really are vastly different. So, it worked in the Big Ten. It worked while he was at Penn State. It just does not work in the SEC. It just doesn't. Right. And the Big Ten is more along the lines of NFL-style offenses, ex with the exception of Ohio State. And why are they dominating? So, uh, John said, can't blame O'Brien. Put up near 600 yards of total offense. That, to me, was more – and I'm curious your thoughts on what Tennessee was able to do offensively. That, that, to me, was, was more hypeful, more the fact that we underrated this offensive line. And we all had to underrate the receivers from at the beginning of the season because who would have thought that Cedric Tillman's out and they're just simply still explosive? Um, we don't underrate them now. We don't underrate them last week. But if you would have told me that Tennessee had one of the absolute best sets of receivers in August, I would have said, nah, top 20. But now they're top three. 
Is he talking about, he said Bill O'Brien uh, put, like, Alabama put over 600 yards of offense? Is that what he's saying? Because he said I'm Bill sorry, yeah, maybe I missed it. Yeah. Okay. Bill O'Brien put up 600 yards of total offense. So, so let me get your take on that. Correct. However, that's not necessarily because of the play calling. That's because Bryce Young is that good. I mean, I honestly, that's what it is. It's it's Bryce Young being that good and doing what Bryce Young can do. I mean, he put on just a, an amazing show back there when he had very little help. And we know that Tennessee's, you know, DBs aren't – they're not up to, to par. I mean, they're, they're mediocre at best. That should have been something that Bill O'Brien could have capitalized on, but he, but he couldn't. Bryce Young did everything back there. Bill O'Brien should have had like distinct plays and routes that would have really embarrassed the mediocre, you know, corners that that Tennessee has. But but he didn't. Never Bryce seen, Young did it all. I'm sorry, I've never seen a better college football player in my life that keeps his eyes downfield while the pocket is collapsing around him and while he has to scramble outside the pocket than Bryce Young. And there were times actually last year I thought he did it to a fault that he should take off and run. I didn't see any of those on Saturday. I, th- his ability to keep his eyes downfield is absolutely unbelievable. So the down and dirty at 30 before we get to Marlon McKinney of uh, Vol Stuff on Off the Hook Sports. Uh, congratulations to Jalen Hyatt. Uh, he picks up a an absolutely fantastic award, the Walter Camp Award that goes weekly to the uh, top player in college football. And then talking Cruton, Tennessee is landing commitments in the class of 2024. Four-star Mizeo Bennett committed the balls on Sunday. Bennett is ranked as the number 30 wide receiver in the class of 2024. Shown a lot of love to South Carolina because he's in Greenville. Alabama and Georgia also in the mix, but it looks like Tennessee. And it's very, very early. I don't need to remind you of that. It looks like Tennessee is off and running with their 2024 class. That would be three commitments and a lot of pressure. I was watching uh, probably like 3 a.m. last night when I couldn't sleep. And uh, you have prospects going after Boo Carter of Chattanooga. Um, and yeah, there, there is a sense that Tennessee is recruiting itself now, and that hasn't been that case in a long, long time. Nico, of course, would be the epitome of that. Let's go to Marlon McKinney of Vol Stuff, and his appearance is brought to you by – the Mattress Place, 22 years on Chapman Highway, Marine Corps veteran-owned. The Mattress Place has just a phenomenal selection. No gimmicks, just 30 to 70% off each and every day. And Marlon McKinney, how are you, sir? Good morning. Good morning. I am fantastic. Well, good morning to you as well, Marlon. And I'm just going to open it up to you if you can – just describe the scene because you were there and I'm not going to reveal our ages, but I'm actually a little bit younger than you yet. You jumped a wall and charged the field and I'm, I'm too old for that stuff, but you're not. So you've taken better care of yourself. I plan on jumping a wall. What I thought down on the field with with the field pass before over over to the front of the lost area. Room. I'm sorry, I can't talk. There's some steps that bring you up. Sit, uh, and that's how I thought I was. That wasn't an option. So when I got down to the front of that section, the only option 
to uh, go over the wall, and that uh, is uh, uh, higher than the wall. And so um, after I got to know return, so I was going over it. <laughs> and um, when I first got down on the field, her husband, Phil, uh, went as well. It wasn't too crowded in that part of the field at that point. And it was bailing by the time I uh, a way out. It was just showed and and uh, everybody was having a great time. I remember this happening maybe three times. I, I bet, uh, my first game came at, at six. And, I think Marlon's kind of breaking up on us, Marlon. If you if you can try to get a better uh, connection, uh, that would be great. And also, Amanda is always quick to remind me, uh, use Google Chrome if you can instead of Safari. We have problems with Safari for whatever reason. So like, subscribe, and share. It was an absolutely monumental day on OffTheHookSports.com, and that's not because of us. That is because of you, uh, and that is because your passion for the SEC and, in particular, uh, Tennessee. So uh, let's go. Let's get by the numbers, uh, by the numbers. And I want to talk some rankings, the AP and the coaches poll. And I saw at one point that, uh, Amanda, I'm not sure which team you were referring to that uh, on Twitter, you said uh, that one was disrespectful. W- what did you think of Tennessee being three, four in the rankings? I That was the team I was referring to as being disrespectful. Um, you beaten now was it three top 25 teams two on the road and one at home I believe and you're still ranked below Georgia who has been at times for three straight weeks in a row mediocre against teams that they should have blown out and to me if you beat the number three team in the nation, you should go ahead of, of the other teams who haven't played very much. You know, they haven't played very, uh, very good, I don't know, opponents. So to me, I thought that that was pretty disrespectful. I know that people are giving, and this is why I hate preseason rankings. This is why I, I detest them. Because if you did not give a preseason ranking, of all of these teams and just guessing at how good they would be, Tennessee would probably be your number one team just based on who they've gone against and what they've been able to do. So I thought it was disrespectful for Tennessee to be anything less than at least two. Cause I don't, I don't see how you look at Georgia's body of work and you put it anywhere close to what Tennessee has been able to do. Yeah, I can tell you that somebody at Tennessee was a little surprised they were behind Michigan in one of the polls, that they understood Georgia, they understood Ohio State. Yeah, I could make an argument for Georgia if, if you wanted to say that uh, Georgia beat Tennessee last year, but I, I'm with you. I, I'm not making that argument. If you look clearly at the body of work, you don't think about the recent history, you don't think in the back of your mind, which it's human nature to do so, that Tennessee has been a ne'er-do-well program for quite some time. They have struggled. If you take that out of your mind and you look at body of work, Amanda, it's really difficult not to put Tennessee right up there at at number one. 
um, or it or number two. Uh, I'm not. Do I think that if Tennessee and Ohio State played tomorrow, that Ohio State would win? Yes, I, I I do. But to this point, what have what have they done? They hung 77 on Toledo. Uh, they beat Wisconsin 52-21. We know the, the problems Wisconsin has had. Ohio State they beat uh, Rutgers 49 to 10. Uh, they beat Michigan State. Yeah, Rutgers. What's a Rutgers? Uh, 49 to 20, uh, and they were off this past week. So, I, I if you looked at these teams, if you flipped resumes, and they were the Buckeyes or they were Georgia, Tennessee's the number one team in the nation. Hands down, they are, and I even understand the Michigan thing more than I understand the Georgia one or the Ohio State one. As you've gone through, Ohio State's played literally no one, almost lost to Notre Dame in the very, very first game. I mean, the score wasn't <clears throat> what it, how the game played out. It, I mean, they were neck and neck going into the fourth quarter. So to me, this Ohio State resume is, is very, very lacking and opponents that they played. We know Wisconsin has fired their coach. Michigan State, I believe, is probably close, and they just pulled off a win against Wisconsin. But that was with, like, half of Wisconsin's roster missing, which I would have never known had I not been married to a Wisconsin fan. Um, <clears throat> and that's a Wisconsin without, you know, a, obviously a head coach. So <clears throat> my thing with that is, Ohio State's resume looks terrible, honestly. If you if you put that with any SEC team, no one would be ranking them in the top five. I mean, honestly, no one would because that's just expected. Georgia, again, is obviously has blown out some people like Vandy and then can't, you know, beat Missouri by more than more than one score. So to me, that shouldn't be – they shouldn't be above Tennessee. And then if you look at Michigan, the only thing I can say is they did a, a pretty good job this past weekend against Penn State, and I could see why people would put Michigan above them. But even that's argue, argumentative, I think, or I could make an argument – not argumentative, but I could make an argument for Tennessee being number one. That's the reason Michigan ticked up is because the win uh, against Penn State, but that was in Ann Arbor. And I think Penn State feels like the perennial overrated team to me year in and year out. And that proves to be the, the case with James Franklin. Um, they uh, Michigan beat Indiana uh, 31-10, uh, beat Iowa 27-14, Maryland 34-27, UConn 59-zip, Hawaii 56-10, Colorado State 51 to 7. So if you want to compare resumes, there is no comparison. Like, subscribe, and share. We'll see how things shake out. But as of right now, and I and, and, and if they were playing on the neutral field, I would still take Ohio State to win over Tennessee. I'll be really clear, clear and transparent. But and I would probably still take Georgia. But I'm definitely a lot less certain about that than I was before the season started. But I mean, go ahead. I've seen from the beginning what Tennessee is able to do. 
I've seen what they what their offense brings. I've seen what a high bowl brings to this team. I mean, they play as a unit. They play as, I mean, one, which is very different from a lot of teams. I feel like Ohio State doesn't do that very well. I think they have C.J. Stroud, who, again, I could have those wide receivers and be a Heisman candidate. So it's just I don't see a team that meshes like Tennessee meshes. I don't see a team that is – is as calm and collected as Tennessee is, especially during this Alabama game. I mean, they never, it seemed like it, nothing ever bothered them. They didn't make stupid, you know, decisions. You didn't see, you only, they only had six penalties in this game, whereas Alabama had 17. Um, so, you know, there's the point about the refs, but Tennessee plays as one unit. I don't think there's a lot of teams that do that. I thought Tennessee got favorable officiating. Not not overly favorable, but I thought that there's a there was a pass interference on Princeton Fant late in the game that could have essentially ended the game that I thought it was pass interference, but th- those a lot of times officials don't want to make those calls in that situation. I thought that Bryce Young took a couple of shots to the head that weren't called that could have been called. I actually thought the officiating benefited uh, to Tennessee, not a monstrous extent, but I thought it was a s- significant. I don't think it cost either team the game. I would say that, but I do think that uh, Tennessee got the benefit of the official calls. And um, yeah, but maybe they're starting to get more and more respect. And we talked about this on Friday, there is a subconscious element with giving a team a call that's playing really, really well and, or a team that has history. There's also a subconscious call uh, that I think happens when you get caught up in the excitement of the game. I think that's very evident in basketball, March madness. I've seen teams get hot and then suddenly the calls go their way, which is not the way officiating should be. I'm not making excuses for any officials, but I think with traditional teams and then getting, getting caught up in the moment, I think is a real thing that happens. I don't think officials go into game wanting one team to win over another, but I think there's some subconscious things that happen there in the heat of the moment. So let's, let's see if we can get Marlon back. Marlon, do we, we have you back now? Yeah. Do I sound better? Yes, you sound much better. So, uh, give us a 60-second or so synopsis of where this ranks among all the games that you've been to as a Tennessee fan. Uh, probably uh, with the Florida game. Um, you know, that was that was huge when we broke, broke Spurrier's. Uh, that was the last time that I call uh, fans rushing the field. This hasn't happened. And um, as it should, because Tennessee should beat teams like that. So, um you know, uh, it was uh, it was building. Everybody was having just a fantastic time, and uh, I got to follow the uh, North, uh, goalpost out of the stadium, which was interesting because the Alabama duck they couldn't go anywhere, so they were having to sit there and watch all of this uh, celebration going on on the field and waving, and uh, they, everybody was being nice to them, but they were having to sit there and watch the goalposts go by as we took it out that uh, uh, north end zone entrance, east side, that's uh, the big entrance that um, that's, uh, that's there, but uh, a little bedlam, and uh, just, just a great time. 
Marlon, great stuff. Uh, your ball stuff, in case people don't know, wraps up everything uh, on the day, not just our stuff, but you will have uh, great content each and every evening. And um, it's it's on ball stuff on offthehooksports.com. We appreciate uh, your your contribution day in and day out, and it means a lot, buddy. I'm, I'm glad you had a good time, and uh, I'll be in touch. Okay, have a great day. Thanks. That's Marlon McKinney of Vol Stuff. Two minutes, and then we get to Chris Landry. Did he think the uh, Crimson Tide benefited from uh, some uh, officiating calls? More after this. Two minutes. Gary Viles here. I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies, located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli-style subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's your This is Al's Dish Barbecue Supplies, so come on in and see all the different rubs and sauces we have, plus a complete line of Green Mountain Grills. Don't be overwhelmed. We have plenty of help so you can produce the best barbecue in a maze for your family and friends. Barbecue is America's food. We'll do what we can to bring you all the best products. We're Al's Nest Barbecue, but Chattanooga goes to grill. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasti's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasti Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Amanda gave me a weird look, and she should have. I said, the officiating benefit Alabama. I don't think it benefited any team, but I thought Tennessee got some uh, favorable calls. This is something we talked about a lot on Saturday, so I said, or a lot on Friday, so I said that completely backwards. Chris Landry joins us now. Chris, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. I think more important, what's, uh, how's things going in East Tennessee? I know you're not in Knoxville. Good thing, probably. Is not, have you heard? Is Knoxville still standing? Do we know? Is it? Is it, uh... <laughs> it is still standing. Uh, you, you watch literally every game every week. As far as top percentile, where does that game, just from a purely entertainment value, if you weren't having to take notes and you were just watching it, you weren't providing evaluations, 
where does that team or where does that game rank? Because to me, it was one of, regardless of sports, probably one of the top 20, 25 games I've actually watched the whole thing straight through. Pretty high. I haven't thought about it in terms of where it would rank. Because, uh, you know, there's a there's a recency bias that goes in, but there's their sure. games that go back. Over the, it, it I just say that it was, look, here, here's the thing about it is you, you put a lot of things in context. It was a game that everybody was looking forward to. Oftentimes those games end up being not as good once you watch it. This one was exciting. That wasn't the cleanest game I've seen. But, man, in terms of excitement, the ebb and flow, um, look, I mean, it, it just was just was um, unbelievable. Um, you know, I wouldn't put it, say, you know, up against the, the Chiefs-Bills of last year's playoffs, you know, but, but different types of games. It was fantastic, the emotion. I think you see what college football is all about, the, the passion. Um, I, I – it was a great day. I mean, a great day for college football. I don't think people realize, you know, maybe a lot of our listeners realize how many other great games there were. And yet this, it was headlined by Tennessee, Alabama, but you had a Utah USC game with that on an, any given day was maybe one of the top five games of this season. And, particularly emotional considering they were playing for two fallen teammates. And yet that was completely, it was late and all that completely. Uh, they, they were dumping goalposts in the Tennessee river by then, but, but it was, it was great game. It was uh, a lot of fun. And, you know, uh, I can't wait to talk about it. Uh, it was just, uh, it was really exciting to watch it. I just think that the one thing that I, I, w- I wouldn't mind getting a picture of it. I know somebody has it. They took the shot and then you still see the shot out there. Literally, the whole field of Neyland Stadium was orange. You couldn't see a blade of grass. It was all orange with the fans. And I thought that was just like, wow. Now, that's a good picture that any Vol fan should have in their their little game room or whatever. Yeah, we had Marlo McKinney on earlier who does Vol stuff for us. And he he said that it was shoulder to shoulder. And the one time that I was trying to make my way from the press box to – the interview area was that that Tennessee charged the field. Tennessee fans was in 98, that uh, Florida game. And you could still move around. Now, I've been a part of Georgia. Um, I was trying to get to the interview area, charging the field. And if you remember, that was – I can't remember the year, but it was kind of delayed, and the Georgia fans were already there and lined up. Now, that was – that was borderline – well, it, it was dangerous. I think one young lady actually got, got – Yeah. Hurt. So – um, That's the only thing I hate about it. I mean, yeah. it, it's fun and all of that. The old man in me starts to get, I hate them doing that because somebody's going to get hurt. And, you know, I, I, I actually was at the game, uh, scouting the game Wisconsin, where they stormed the field and people got pinned against the fence. And we lost like seven students. So I, I worry about that stuff. Um I mean, it was almost like European soccer. But anyway, I don't want to be the killjoy. I, I, I understand the excitement. I, I wish people wouldn't do it, but I understand it. And, and as I said, it's kind of beautiful when it's done and nobody gets hurt. But hopefully everybody made it out okay. Yeah, I remember the Georgia one. A couple of uh, young co-eds uh, ladies fell in front of me. Oh. And you, you really can't even move your feet. And it was all I could, me and another guy, to just hold back 
to give them time to get up. Otherwise, we would have been the ones trampling them through no choice of our own because we were just getting getting pushed. I know. Yeah, and I, I know. I talked to. Um, I'm sorry, Dave. I didn't a little delay there. I, I talked. I was did a show yesterday morning, and one of the media members was also at the game, and apparently he was made his way like you did to the to the interview room, and he passed. Obviously, the visitors. It was the visitors' training room, and there was. Some lady, I don't he, he guessed maybe late 30s or something, and her ankle was going in like four different directions. She obviously had gotten broke, and so she's in there, and, you know, they're trying to help her and all. So it's those type of things that, like, oh, you know, you hope. And, and you know, she's going to survive it, I'm sure, but that's just a uh, – so she's there with a broken ankle and, a lot, you know, it's just those things we don't think about. But anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt there. Amanda going to jump in here. Chris's appearance brought to you by Owl's Nest Barbecue. Owl's Nest Barbecue has all the barbecue supplies you can need. The rubs. They've got the sauces. They've got the wood chips. They've got the pellets. It's Owl's Nest Barbecue. So uh, look them up. And they're right there in Oodlewall. So if you're driving back and forth from Knoxville or Chattanooga, you have to pull in there. It's right off the interstate. And they've got the Green Mountain Grills that are phenomenal. Amanda? Let's talk about rankings for a little bit and body, you know, mm-hmm. bodies of work. Cause you, you are very much the, <clears throat> the X's and O's person that we go to. We see Tennessee being ranked three and four. Um, you know, obviously we have Georgia, Ohio state and uh, Michigan in one poll being them being uh, ranked higher than Tennessee. If there wasn't the preseason rankings, the the I feel like it's a bias towards the teams that they put in the top, you know, one, two, three spots. Where do you think Tennessee would rank just body of work wise? Look, I, I do them myself. And look, here's the thing about it. And I know everybody concerned. It, it doesn't matter. It's about how you finish the season. And there's no good answer. Um, I, here's how I do it, and it's not how other people do it. I know is I, I study the tape in who I think is better. It's what I do, but I have to recognize. I mean, you can look better on tape and lose a couple of games, and you have to throw a lot of things into the mix. Like I, I you know, do I think Georgia's better? Do I think Ohio State's better than Tennessee? I do, but it doesn't really matter. I mean. Who's going to be better when Tennessee and Georgia play that week? That's all that really matters. Michigan um, in, in Tennessee, you talk about a really interesting matchup if they play. Michigan could run the football right at Tennessee and just wear down that defense, but they couldn't keep up points with Tennessee in the passing game. I, 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 don't, I think it's very, to me, here's what I do is I grade teams and put them into tiers. And I would put Tennessee, look, I'd move them up and, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd certainly would put them in that tier of teams that are really, really good and um, probably just below Ohio State and Georgia for now because I'm not going to overthink it because we don't have the full body of work. It's just like when people ask about the Heisman and we do that all the time. Who's the favorite? Who's the favorite now is only just if we gave out the award today of who's the four in and who's the high, it would it would matter. It doesn't. And it's what you do from here on out. That's actually more important. But you have to have put yourself in this position. And I would say that now answer two questions at one. Hendon Hooker in Tennessee have put themselves in the conversation 
of being in the mix. But what they do from here on out is going to determine it. I, I would, to answer how I rank, I would put them third. But you know what? You watch Michigan and you study them, you could make a case for them. You can make a case for Clemson. But Tennessee's played, you know, some ranked teams and have won and won a big game. But, again, that goes away in a snap uh, individual and team awards if you don't finish. So I guess that's the coach in me that really doesn't concern myself a whole lot with the rankings, although I understand that is, for what we do here, that is just like, oh, just apple pie, which should be one. Oh, my God. What does it matter now? I mean, and does anybody remember who was number one on October? What is the day? The 70, October 17th last year. No one, it, it doesn't really matter, right? Because there's the, when the, the uh, BCS rankings come out, excuse me, when the playoff rankings come out, you know, then it'll be interesting. But then even then, it's got a lot of work to do. Let me ask you about Tennessee's receivers. And you, you can correct me if I'm <clears> wrong, <throat> but as far as, Pure uber talent, top end, I believe you would have had Brew McCoy, Cedric Tillman, Jalen Hyatt. After what you've seen as of today, October the 17th, 2022, after what you've seen since we last had this discussion, which I believe was before the season, even when all the Brew McCoy stuff was going down, mm-hmm. how would you rank those three now? As good as, there's as good as any in the country, because remember Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, hadn't even played at Ohio State because of injury most of the year. So, I mean, I thought that was the best receiver room in the country. And when they're all talented, they still may be. But in terms of production of who made big-time plays, uh, it was – I mean, this this Tennessee receivers have been great. Let me mention something real quick because I don't know if we'll get to it. But one of the things in studying the tape that was so impressive with what Tennessee did, we know they've got speed at receiver and you know they're very talented. But they really out-schemed Alabama because what they did is they ran in their run game early. They used those receivers to fan out and block. And so as I'm watching it, you watch it on tape, you can't – you watch it on TV, folks, or you can't see it. When you watch the coaching tape, you see Alabama safety starting to come up and come up. And then they ran a, a false block and one of uh, Hyatt's runs were right splitting the safeties that were coming up because they were just creeping up against the run. We call it a conflict of assignment. Defensively, you can't, you have to take a chance. You have to either defend the run or you have to lay back and defend the pass. And people say, well, they couldn't cover. No, they didn't cover because they ran right by the coverage because they're cheating up against the run. It's the thing that stood out to me, and it led to the big plays that were so effective because it's their ability to run and their ability to commit to the run to some degree that even though they got the big success in the passing game, it was the appearance of running, the commitment to the run, the willingness to run that got Alabama miss the line because otherwise you've got a safety going over the top with the corner so they can play outside leverage and inside leverage, and, and you got to play defended then. Um, they had Alabama guessing the entire game, and that's not a – that's a great job of Tennessee. But from a defensive standpoint, you can't win. I mean, you're guessing either way. And the di- biggest difference was they couldn't get consistent pressure on Hooker, which is why the pass rush pressure is king 
I mean, he's absolute king because that prevents the ball from coming out when you want it to as quick as you want it to. Because if you get time, it's it's almost no win, and you you got to hope that the throws off target because you're guessing either way. And it's again, it's not a design run or pass. It's an RPL. Right. So it's a run pass option. And so you've got, they will make it based on that. So I, I just, that was a big part of it in my God can Hyatt run. God is explosive. I thought well, at one point I saw a little, little, little jets coming out of the back of his pants. He's just, boom, he's really fast. Yeah. And that, that's actually what I was driving at more than the, where they rank among the top offensive groups in, in the nation. So at the beginning of the year, you, you you said that you thought Brew McCoy had the most talent, Cedric Tillman, who we haven't seen much of. Yeah. And then, and then Jalen Hyatt would have, I imagine, in your mind, been third. So what you've seen from Jalen Hyatt, does it change your view of him as far as from a talent standpoint? No, no. I mean, no, because he's he's mostly speed and he mostly gets it done on the nine route. Brew McCoy is a little more polished. Jalen okay. Hyatt's just explosively fast. I mean, look, the, that – that a lot of that too was a little bit of an overplay towards Brew McCoy's way. And by the way, he played he played uh, he played very well in, in himself. But I mean, Hyatt had he, the numbers he had. That that was that to me. The he was the number one guy in my game balls of the week in all of college football. He was just phenomenal. Um, but a lot of it, uh, you know, has to do with the fact that they're really good as a collective unit. Um, Brew McCoy has been the most consistent receiver, as you mentioned, because Cedric hadn't played and Cedric's the most polished guy. And that's the other thing is, you know, uh, can the offense take it up a notch if Cedric can get back healthy and, and get in rhythm. So we had a couple of questions and then I know that um, uh, Amanda has a, a ton of questions, but the Not one, all the time you need. Yeah. The, the one in particular, and I talked to uh, Cooper Mays about this, the ability, I'm trying to find the question specifically, um, uh, but I, it ties in with one I had about how they handled Will Anderson. There it is. Uh, Gilead. I don't know if it's his real name, but thanks for being a part. Uh, what does Chris uh, think about Tennessee's offensive line performance against Alabama and how much of it was to account for Will Anderson? I added that last part. Well, they optioned off of him. I mean, basically, so that, you know, basically, the best way to play a guy like Will Anderson is to not block him, to work away from him. Uh, an, an attaboy, a game ball, a game sticker to Darnell Wright. I thought he did a really good job. I thought he um, was phenomenal. But again, in this offense, they're not sitting there and just blocking him. They're opting off of it, getting the ball in another direction, working away from him. They did a really good job with it. I think that um, um, that was very, very impressive. And in, I thought the real key for Alabama defensively was their defensive ends were going to have to crash the, crash the mesh point and force the ball that uh, the, the, uh, force it out a lot quicker. And I don't think they were able to do that consistently enough. Uh, now I tell you, they they did it for a stretch there, and you saw the the adjustments that Alabama made, and they kind of broke Tennessee's offensive rhythm a bit. Uh, it was a really intriguing game, I, I thought, because. Going in, I thought, okay, I, I, I kind of like Alabama in this these type of games in a close one. It could go either way. But in the first half, you know, in Alabama, their mistakes, I said, there's no way Alabama's winning this game. 
And then when Dallas Turner turns it in, I said, Tennessee's just lost this game. They're going to blow this game. And, you know, it's like they outplayed them and all that. But I thought they outplayed them and they're only up 28-20. And I know it, it felt like a dominant performance by Tennessee, but they didn't have a dominant lead. And right. then, you know, uh, I thought that eh, this is going to be offenses out of rhythm. Alabama's figured some things out. And then, um, you know, that to me, though, was most more impressive because to at that point, I'm thinking they're going to lose this. And then Tennessee stepped up and answered, which was which was really impressive to win that way. It's it's one thing to get a team and get them down and have mistakes. Uh, but I, in some ways, I'm more impressed with what they did against Bama, not only because it's against Bama as opposed to LSU, because LSU never got in it completely. It was one sided. Tennessee was able to make adjustments and win and kind of counterpunch Bama when when Alabama had flipped the game in their direction. Uh, And they were the cleaner team. They made less mistakes. They had made less mental errors than Alabama. Um, There's no question about that. Uh, And I I think that more than anything, you can talk about, well, yeah, the the explosive plays and all that, but, but that's direct result of not making the mental errors and the mistakes that Alabama did that, that, that's why Tennessee was in the position that they were in and uh, proved to be the better team on Saturday. Amanda? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said you had a couple of questions from the chat, the chat board. Um, so let's talk officiating because on, you know, on there's a, there's a thought that Alabama gets a lot of calls that go their way. Um, as far as the officials go on Saturday, I don't think we saw that uh, very often, considering Alabama had 17 penalties, Tennessee had six, uh, which is a lot of sloppy play by Alabama. And I'm pretty sure that the first quarter, Alabama had nine penalties in one quarter, um, which is is very unlike uh, a Nick Saban team, more disciplined typically. I want to hone in on on one call that wasn't called, and that was the hit that Bryce Young took. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, with that being said, and I'm not I'm not going one way or the other here. I'm just asking, what was your opinion on that hit, and and your opinion on that rule in general? Because we've seen a lot of inconsistency yeah. from these officiating crews on what is and what isn't, and how are we supposed to understand it? I yeah. Guess, and Chris, I actually thought there were two times that Bryce Young took a hit to the head that could have easily been called. Yes, and I thought they missed. I thought they missed them both. Uh, I mean, if you're going to call it, if right. that's what we're doing, that's the definition of it. I mean, that that fits into the line of so they missed it. Look, uh, uh, so yeah, I, I thought they, they missed that couple of things on officiating and, and, and I love it and I appreciate it and I love fans, but we all know fans are sharp for fanatics. Every fan thinks that their team is getting holes by the officials. And in the same game, because I'm going to tell you, Alabama fans think they're, com- they, it is, you know, as you know, Alabama, uh, Amanda, I love you. This doesn't apply to you, but you know, the Alabama fans, mm-hmm. no one can beat Alabama. It has to be the officials. It has to be, you know, uh, Martians from the, the planet uh, Krypton that comes down because they ca- you cannot lose, you know, you know, 17 penalties. That pro- it, look, look 
at how many penalties they had against AM. I mean, what all of a mm-hmm. sudden they're calling them when they never do. There's a reason for it. Alabama's playing sloppy, undisciplined football. Now, I went through the tape, and absolutely, I go through, you know, there are calls that were missed. We don't have time. It would be an eight-hour show. Okay, we missed this call. Uh, this call was right. But the reality is everybody thinks their team is – because every call that goes their way, that's a good call. Every call that goes against them, no, nah, you're against us. It's the same thing as announcers, right, Dave and Amanda? Oh, I can't believe I mean, I'm hearing the same thing. Oh, it's yeah. like, oh, man, so-and-so. Oh, it's clear they're pulling for Tennessee. And the other guy, clear they're pulling for Alabama. It's like that's the definition of you guys are completely out to lunch because you can't be both ways. I use it this way. You know how you use the – and I'm not a political guy, but you know how they call the left and the right? If somebody's in yes. the middle – if somebody's right in the middle, the people on the left think the person in the middle is far right. The people on the right think the person in the left is far left. It's it's kind of the same thing. Um, look, Chris, Chris, that- your, Chris, to your point, I can remember when Tennessee was really relevant and they played a lot of those 330 games. And they had, oh, uh, and they had Gary. They Daniels. hate Tennessee. The, well, no, they had Gary Danielson. And every single town I went to, they had like four or five. I just got in a habit of asking, "What do you think about Gary Danielson?" And every single school said, "There's no yes. question. He roots against schools." Yes. And yes. those were five different schools. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. And it's the you know I won't say fourteen because you know some schools don't end up playing in that time slot, but everyone that does, everybody. From Baptist to Tennessee to <laughs> Alabama to Georgia, he hates us. He hates us, and you know, I mean, Gary, I, I'm not a, I'm not an evaluator of commentators and all that. You can like or dislike who you want and all that, and, and it's a tough job because they got to respond in the moment. But you know, to the bigger point, the officiating, there were some missed calls on both. Um, I can tell you this: that from the standpoint, and this is the way I approached it. You know, we take the calls, we send them into the league, you try to, you know, but you got to focus on (laughs) until I coach a perfect game and we play a perfect game, I'm going to understand officials going to make a, make a um, mistakes in the off season. One time I I wouldn't mind if y'all want to, because I've done this, I'll explain how I would make officiating better in all of football, but that's not the, the, that's not the topic today. It's, It's really not important. Um, but look, I think that's the reality is there were more penalties on Alabama because Alabama played poorly. And yet you're not going every Alabama media person. I mean, I've talked with some of them. It can't be 17 to five or whatever it was. It just, it, that tells you there's bias. Not tells you that your team is not playing very smart football right now and making a ton of mistakes. And you've got to clean that up. And I can darn sure tell you that's what, the head guy at Alabama saying he's not in there to his team moaning and groaning about officiating. He's moaning and groaning about how do we make these mental dumb errors over and over again? So look, yeah, they're calls. I mean, I'll answer this. I wasn't asked. I looked at it because this is the other one. It was not interference uh, on the, on the play, obviously, uh, you know, which play I'm talking about that, that, that Tennessee is, pretty much going to get knocked out there at the end. And then they had the interference. 
it was interference. Uh, it was interference on Alabama. That is by definition interference. And 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 by the way, Alabama got a justified interference call benefit on third and one going in. So yeah, there, there's. Uh, I, I think there's uh, some of the calls that fans think were bad calls against their team were actually good calls, but there's some that were misses. And I think the the two that you mentioned were should have been um if we're gonna call that today those were definitely uh should have been called and missed uh question for the message board how good is this offensive line i go ahead and tell you i thought they would be a b at best before the season i think they're more along the lines considering who they played especially with what they did against lsu and alabama in the past couple weeks i think they're more like an a level offense they're doing well. And again, understand the pace, the tempo, the right. style, which is all that matters because that's what they do. Um, they're doing an outstanding job. They, they really are in, in an RPO setting. And, and again, this is, this is, um, this is what makes this offense fun. It's, it's going to be interesting though. What I'm curious and what I was concerned about for Tennessee. And again, I don't care who wins the game. But when the offense got out of rhythm, as I mentioned, I thought Alabama was taking this game away. And, and I think they would have if Alabama had not made some critical mistakes, some mistakes that, that cost them the game. I, look, we can talk about this and that and the numbers and the receivers and Hendenhooker and high, all that's That is true. You lose more games than you win. Okay. And, and in order to win games, you have to to not make critical errors. And, I mean, I thought Tennessee was the cleaner team. They made less mistakes. Now, I'm going to tell you, the fumble when Dallas Turner went in about wiped that out. And about wiped out because I think that Alabama made far more mistakes. Played sloppier and I'm just calling it dumber. They just, you know, and, and to me that was a big factor. And then Tennessee almost gave it right back to them. And I'm thinking, they're, I mentioned again, they're going to lose this game. And and I, the, my first thought was, what is going to happen to this team and this fan base if they lose a game that they clearly look like they were dominating? And this is this is not going to end well. And look, it, folks, it was right there. I mean, it was right there. And um, credit them for winning it. But, man, that, that was a, a lump in the throat there if you're a Vol fan, I'm sure. Oh, I, I definitely thought they had lost the game at that point. There, there is, there was no question in my mind that that's what was going to happen, and perhaps that's um, uh, some of the fans' battered ball syndrome creeping in me. I thought that fumble, <laughs> scoop, and score. You know, you didn't even have an opportunity to d up. Um, it was just, no. it was just seven points. Boom. Do you know? Can you look at that play? Because I've asked five different people involved with UT, and they to their credit, are so protective of one another that they don't want to say it was his fault or that guy's fault. Do you know whose fault that was with the the, the fumble the exchange when you watch it with Hooker and Small? Uh, it was a bad mesh point. It looked like the back to me, but it's, you know, it's it's a fumbled mesh point. It, it, here's the thing. But, Chris, he didn't look like he was even expecting to get the ball. I wonder. No, and I, well, that's what I'm saying, though. I think, remember, it is RPO base. So, right. you know, you've got to, you've got to expect the ball and the quarterback's job is to pull it out. 
So to not expect the ball there, that's not their offense. So I, okay. I, I just think that now again, Dave, I don't know the call and I haven't had a chance to ask and I can ask and I will. I, I don't know the call. So it could have been something different and it could have been uh Hendon. It, it, it could have been, I don't know, but just looking at it, that, that in this offense, the mesh point where you put the ball in the bed at belly, the quarterback uh, in the running back, you pull it out based on your read or you, or you can give it to him. So just make an assumption. I think that's what happened. I'm fairly certain of that, but I, I, I will have to check to make sure because the call may have been different. It could have been on a quarterback and you're right. It's not, um, it, it's a mistake and it's one that could have cost them dearly. Man, anything else uh, left on your end? I got one more, but you want to jump in there? No, go right ahead. You are good to go. The um, the the last thing that I, I would uh, want to address is Tim Banks has one of the most thankless jobs in all of college football because he is Tennessee's defensive coordinator on uh, an offense that is absolutely based or a program that's based on the offense. And I thought his blitz package throughout the game was outstanding. Am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right. It's been very good. It was good in what they did against LSU. It's outstanding what they did against Alabama. There's no question about it. Um, And you're right. And it kind of bothers me, but then I, I step back and understand it. People will have that attitude. Well, boy, you know, Tennessee, they got that offense figured out. Well, I need to get them a defensive coordinator. You're not going to get a defensive coordinator that that wants to a great defense. Hey, go get a guy like, a you know, a, a great elite defensive coordinator. That, that guy ain't coming here to to play this type of defense where it's all based on the offense. The, the As I said before, the offense is the co-star. It's the – not an actor type, you know, but that superstar and then – you got the supporting actors. The defense is a supporting actor. Uh, you have to take a back seat there. And um, that's going to always be that way, more than likely, as long as Josh is coaching. They're going to win or lose with their offense, and their defense is going to have to create enough stops on third down, create some turnovers so that they can get points. You know, I was looking at it. You realize that Josh has not won a game as a head coach, unless his team has scored at least 30 points. Yeah, I knew that. And, you know, um, and it's just, you know, and again, that's what it's all about. So you're going to, what you, what you like and exalt about, you, you need to understand that you can't play offense like Josh is playing and then have uh, a defense that looked like General Nealon was still around coaching it. That, that's not how the game, that's how not how this system works, which is why I've questioned about what is the ceiling with it and all this excitement. I, We'll find out in the end, because I've seen Oklahoma do this in the past, look dominant and get into the playoffs against the elite teams and struggle because of the defense. Um, we we think because Alabama has been the elite program that they are the best. All that matters is who's the best this year. You don't have to be historically best. But long range, I think it's going to be interesting to see. I think Tim's doing a really good job. I think he's playing Great. that role well, and I think he's creating havoc because – that's what they need to do, particularly Dave and Amanda, since they don't cover well enough, they've got to get home with pressure so that the 
cover guys don't have to cover as long. The last thing you want to do is you say, well, drop more guys. Well, they don't cover very well. You better get pressure, and you better mix up the pressure so that you don't have to give up so much blitz pressure that you keep them on an island. But also, you want to create enough pressure to where you don't have to have your guys cover long because if that's the case, look, I mean, I think we saw Alabama have a lot of success, and it wasn't they if they had not made a ton of mistakes uh, again they play a cleaner game they move the football on them pretty effectively and i think a lot of teams will i'll say this and i know you guys got to go i i had forgotten i wasn't quite sure i had to check one last thought out the door i'm glad for tennessee that they're playing tennessee martin oh yeah this would not be a week to be playing uh well certainly a kentucky or somebody because it's just – it's there's so much has been put in to this past week emotionally that they could be flat this week and, and still win and win – you know, not have to worry about losing the game. But that's great creative scheduling. Um, it's worked out. I know it's been in plan. But that's the first thing I thought of because everything has been put into that game. And it'll take them a little while to come back, probably a week. So – that's the other thing that, that that I thought of about this game in a big picture sense. We'll talk here uh, momentarily about an, an, an inter- interesting approach that Tennessee had, which was the barf attack. Uh, Chris. Uh, oh, please. Do we need to talk about that? Let's talk about something else. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it, buddy. Chris Landry's appearance is brought to you in part as the entire show is by Zool Beer Company. Go to ZulBeer.com, XULBeer.com. Fantastic place to hang out in downtown uh, Knoxville. And they've got parking there, which is very unusual and worldwide award-winning craft beer. Why Vomit can be your friend two minutes after this on Optic Sports. It's Gary Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car. Is about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasty Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasty, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. This is Steve Rain. I own the Midnight Oil and Michelin Tire Direct service station here in Ottawa. It's not a fancy place, never has been but it's a clean place with clean restrooms and good folks who work here. We sell gas, fix cars, nothing glamorous, but we love what we do and we're going to keep doing it for a long time to come. There's not many real service stations left and that's a shame. We're the guys just like the guys back in your hometown. We'll fix your tire, change your oil, and put a new set of Michelins on your car. If you want a Twinkie, you'll just have to keep on going. Thanks for the business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. 
Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Have you done your research? We're working like heck. Today's tough question. What's the real debate? You sipping my soup, Guadalupe? Exclusively on Off the Hook Sports with Dave Hooker and Amanda LaFrada. You drinking my sake, Kimosabi? Oh my God. Got a little out of kilter. Today's tough question. Amanda, I'm pretty wide open to this. Your thoughts? Uh, we could go the most significant play, other than, of course, the game-winning uh, field goal. That would be the most significant play at the end. Or a ton of different directions we can go. Why don't you think about it and tell me what the best direction uh, to go is. The best direction to go as far as real estate is undoubtedly Andy Mason at andymasonrealestate.com. He's my realtor. He should be yours. Pretty simple business concept. The best service. The best uh, prices. That's why there's over 40 years of experience in his office. He's that awesome. Andy Mason, Andy Mason, Andy Mason. I can't say it enough. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. If you're even thinking about any sort of home purchase or sell, you need to get with Andy Mason. I can't tell you uh, how many times Andy has steered me the right way. And uh, we're very happy to have him be a part of our program. And like we've said before, any advertiser that you see on the website or that we endorse is someone that we do have done or would do business with if we need their services. So uh, that's what I'm going to tell you right there. All right. Uh, How many of our offensive linemen does Tennessee get back next year? I'll look into that. What are your thoughts on today's tough question? Amanda, any thoughts, sir? Uh, where does this victory over Alabama rank in the best Tennessee wins of all time? That's, that's better than I had. That's way better than I had. Okay, so go ahead and fill out the message board with, and and, and listen, we're all, I'm probably the oldest one here. Um, I'm 48. So if, if you go back to 70s Alabama or 60s Ole Miss or any of those games, I'm going to have trouble rolling with you. But as far as my lifetime um, and what I have seen, it would be, I mean, there are two to me that are the clear distinguished ones, and it would be really tough to even even have anybody at that level. It would be the 98 Florida game and the two that they charged the field and this 2022 Alabama game. I'm curious what you guys think. It, okay, how about this? Here, here's a really good one that was just slightly before my time, but I remember it. The 86 Sugar Bowl. So let's include that as one. The 99 Fiesta Bowl, um, certainly I, we could go in that direction. It ended up in a, a national championship. However, John, I thought Tennessee should have won that game. Florida State was down to a third-string quarterback. That wasn't a great shock to me. I thought Tennessee played well, and in the end was just a better team. But if we, we can include that one if we can't think of a fourth. So we'll give you a couple of seconds to uh, think about a fourth. But right now, 
we are we, we have three in place, which would be the 86 Sugar Bowl. We would have the 98 uh, Florida game and the 2022 Alabama game. So, you know, and as I said before, I, I think Tennessee fans have been through a lot. You, you, you deserve this. You deserve what happened on Saturday. Is that the elite Nick Saban team that you took down? No. And Amanda's pointed out the coaching. Uh, Chris Landry pointed out the sloppy plays behind or at times by Alabama. And I, I don't think that they're – I don't think this is a typical Saban team. And by Saban team, I mean elite elite. But it's a very good team that, that Tennessee beat. What are your thoughts just in general while we wait for somebody else that wants to put out uh, another option for today's tough question of, of this Alabama team to double, double question, which is poor journalism from a talent standpoint and then a fundamental making mistake standpoint. What are your, what are your thoughts, Amanda, on this Alabama football team? I think talent wise, uh, Alabama lacks in wide receivers. I think that's the biggest part of of the problem as far as talent goes at Alabama right now um defensive backs we could argue that I think it's more along the lines of the way the offenses are ran now versus the the talent deficit I think that anyone anybody anywhere is going to struggle to keep up with the type of offense that Heupel's running um and the type of offenses that we're seeing with with every program out there. So I don't, I don't necessarily think that defensively the talent is lacking. I think it's just a different game than it was. Um, but as far as the, uh, the problems, I think coaching has a lot to do with it. I think it's uh, the offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien has a lot to do with it. A lot of problems there, a lot of problems with the defensive coordinator. Um, though, again, it's hard to stop this kind of offense. No one seems to have an answer for that. Um, but the discipline, the lack of discipline is astounding. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if it is. The, it's, so now, not, it's so not Saban-esque. It's not, but the game has also changed a lot since Saban came into the game. I think it's more NFL style as in not schemes and all that stuff, but you're, you're now coaching players that are being paid millions of dollars. Again, you're not, there's no, there's very little incentive to, to play. Like we've seen Saban teams play in the past, considering one of the biggest selling points is, you come here, I'll get you ready for the NFL. You go and make that money in the NFL. Now you can come here and just make that money now. I Without mean, even playing. I mean, he even talked about Bryce Young made a million dollars before he took his first snap as a starter. Exactly. So now you, you get paid that money. It's hard. I think that was an issue with Nick Saban in the NFL. It's hard to coach people who are making millions of dollars. I mean, that that's, it's, I think, his problem at, you know, at the Dolphins is it was difficult for him to be able to coach this kind of egos because what typically Saban does is, is bring people down and, and then build them up again um, and get them ready to go to the next level where they can make that money. Now they're already making the money. So it's, 
I think adjusting to that has caused some of these disciplinary problems to come up because, and also the transfer portal. If you get, if you're too hard on a player, he could just leave like immediately. So I think that's something that Saban is struggling with at this moment. Whereas with the Alabama, it's difficult. I think it's more difficult to rein that in because let's face it, Alabama is just used to winning all the time. And so there's not that, there might be that drive for some of the players to, to get to the top. But when you're already at the top, it's hard to have that drive to stay at the top. It's when you're somewhere like, I mean, like we're seeing Tennessee, it looks like they're just playing because they want it more. They want it more. When you're up there, it's hard to just be motivated to stay up there. You need some a goal to set. You need a, you know, a standard to get to. But when you are the standard, it's difficult to maintain that mentality. I mean, it's an Alabama program that has lost its edge right now. They could get it back before the end of the year. But just like the the Jabari Small Hendon Hooker fumble, that's that's the top of play that Alabama takes control of that game's over, and Alabama may win by fourteen or seventeen. Done. End of story. And and, and then I, I talked a little bit about some of the bounce back games. You know, it, 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 have they bounced back and got significantly better from the struggles at Texas? Um, the the A and M game I thought was a revenge game. Now Jalen Milrow and, and being in there and Bryce Young not being available changes things, but I do believe that um, they played as a whole poorly. Whereas uh, against A and M, you would think they would be motivated to come back. So I don't know. Uh, th- there are rumors each and every year that Nick Saban is might want to hang it up, and um, maybe this was the year he wanted to ride off into the sunset with a Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback and a Heisman Trophy candidate defensive end and win a championship and call it a career. I don't know, but it just doesn't have that same feel, especially with the amount of players they had uh, coming back. So, uh, Wes saying, uh, you lost your mind. There's no chance OSU would beat Tennessee on any field. That's completely insane. They play crap every year and get beat in the playoffs constantly. You need help. Well, probably I do need help. But if you ask me right now, right this second, who I would take on a neutral field, I would take Ohio State. Now, that could change. Ask me after the Georgia game. I, my opinions are very flexible. Um, I, I would I'd take Tennessee. Just You would take Tennessee? I would take Tennessee because, again, <clears throat> like I said, with that Notre Dame game, that was a lot closer than what the score looked like. And Ohio State's played no one. And then you look at they've played no one, but they've allowed other teams to score on them at least 10 points, I think, per game. And I know that 10 points is not like, oh, they scored 10 points. These are these are teams that shouldn't score at all on what we're thinking is an elite defense. I mean, Ohio State plays, and I'll say it again, plays no one. They play no one, like absolutely no one. And even Wisconsin was able to run all over them. So I think with the way that Tennessee's offense is playing, and and I know people gave Tennessee a lot of crap for their defense, and I, I get some of that. I, I get it. You know, look at what Bryce Young was able to do. But you have this offense playing to the caliber that they're playing. I don't think there's any anybody in the nation that can stop them. 
That's just my opinion. You may be right. Uh, the miracle at South Bend, let's make that the fourth, when, when, when Tennessee had an incredible comeback. Have we already shot it out? Can we re- let's reshoot that out if we can. What was our four? Because I think it's I think there now that I think about it, there are clearly four. This one, the Florida ninety eight. If you have the Twitter blue, you can edit, <laughs> uh, which I found out after saying the score is fifty two to twenty nine because I have fat fingers. And um, so I, I think it's this one. I think it's the ninety eight uh, Atlanta or the ninety eight. Um, Florida game that led to a championship. I think it's the miracle at South Bend. And I believe it is the sugar balls of 1985. Those would be, those would be my four. If we can plug those uh, four in there. And it's uh, brought to you in part by Pedigo of Chattanooga. Pedigo of Chattanooga is a locally owned store where you'll be treated like family. The region's foremost electric bike experts. Absolutely. They put their hearts into helping you find the perfect electric bike and get the most out of it for many years to come. So pedal the Pedego Chattanooga when you need an e-bike that are all the rage, and they are incredibly, incredibly fun. Uh, you, you will be able to cover a town in no time, not have to worry about parking and all that good stuff. So it is time for Brittany's favorite part of the show because she's helped us tremendously uh, with uh, this day in Tennessee sports history. This day in sports history, putting things in perspective exclusively on Off the Hook Sports with Dave Hooker. You're so old when you were a kid, rainbows were black and white. And Amanda LaFrada. You kids on the block just called. They wanted you as a backup dancer. Okay, you get a bonus because let's go back to Saturday, which would have been the 15th. In Tennessee's second season, the football team secured the first school victory with a 25-0 win at Maryville. Is that the Rebels? No. Tennessee did not have a head coach at the time. I don't know how that happens, but that was uh, 1892. Yesterday, Tennessee defeated number two Alabama 35-28 at home. That would have been in 1982. Would be Bear Bryant's last game, Tennessee's first victory in 12 years uh quarterback alan cockrell had two touchdown passes fwad reves had four field goals so that was back in 1982 and then on the 17th which is today tennessee shut out louisville 66 to zip under head coach zora clevenger how about that tennessee went on to go undefeated on the season had three of the largest margins of victory in program history i wonder if that one includes that sewanee game didn't they win one game 222 to zip or something crazy like that different game uh but uh tomorrow's is uh really good that will deal with uh another alabama game and we'll have to do uh with uh, general Neyland. so looking forward to that and it is message board bingo Message board bingo is brought to you by Craft Treats. Why Craft Treats? Because I want to hook you up with some incredible prizes. And when it comes to Craft Treats, it's about the chill pill. So I'm going to take care of your pet, make your wallet happy as well. Thank you to our friends at Craft Treats that brings you message board bingo. So here's how it works. Amanda, why don't you describe it? Because I stumble over this every single time. So why don't you just go ahead and lay it out there for me? Okay. Um, going back to the, today's tough question, 
I don't, I don't think I can, it's not letting me edit it. Um, and the one that's winning right now is the 98 national championship game. That's the one that I put in there. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's the one that's winning. Well then let's just so. leave it. Uh, okay. Let's leave it. I mean that, I mean, certainly you win a national championship. I kind of just meant in terms of a little bit, the surprise, a little bit, that sort of thing, but I guess Florida state was favored. Uh, I, I still remember the funny part about that, Amanda, and you're you're too young for this, but the guy before Gary Danielson uh, that everybody disliked um, from time to time, and he actually handled the play-by-play. Help me with the name, guys. Oh, Nelly. That guy who said, whoa, Nelly, all the time. And it was right when satellites, people were getting those big, huge, Keith Jackson, those big, huge satellites, you know, I'm not talking about the little direct TV satellites. I'm talking about the one that you, me, and all of our friends could lay on. It was so big. And people were getting the satellite feed at times before cable. And during the break, he said they, they, they kept the camera live and they didn't go to a commercial break, which was a common mistake with these satellites because people were picking up the actual feed that was going to the individual radio stations. And during a break, he goes, and we'll be back. Tennessee leads 17 to 10. I tell you what, I don't care what happens. Uh, Florida State's better, and they're going to win this game. <laughs> this was during a break, and it was just like, and this is before the internet, but it's the first thing you heard when I went in and did a post-game show the day after. The phone lines were lit up, and Keith Jackson was more of a Big 12, Pac-10 guy. Um, but yeah, I, I think that people jump all over announcers as being biased. I don't think they usually are, but that certainly sounds like it. Uh, so how are we doing message board bingo, young lady? So message board bingo, what you have to do is I will read something from a message board and you have to guess which team, which fan base this, or which team this fan base belongs to. So They'll be talking about another team or what have you, but you have to say who this message board comes from. Okay. Uh, I am ready. Are you ready for the song? Because here it comes. All right. Can't trust a fat coach in his 30s. Oh, man. Out-of-shape coaches that aren't on the older side and aren't schemes, cerebral types, <clears throat> should be a huge red flag. Shows a lack of discipline, lack of commitment. How are you that out of shape at 32 years old telling kids to run fast? I had a coach on Philip former staff that said the same thing. I, I don't believe they are related whatsoever, but I did have a coach on Tennessee staff. He was, of course, referring to Philip Homer. Um, so that mindset is out there. I'm trying to think of a fat coach, but it's not a good offensive mind. You could always tell when Philip Homer was succeeding and when he wasn't, because when he was succeeding, he got bigger, and then when he wasn't, he got smaller. <laughs> Brittany says, I have no idea. Uh, for all the seriousness and the good coverage of the show, <laughs> it's a fat joke. Um, Gene Phillips said Florida. I don't think Aaron Hernandez. It is. Oh, is he fat? No, he's not fat. It's, it's their offensive coordinator, I think. See who they're referring to. Oh, coordinator. 
Okay. Good job, Gene. Uh, Gene, I'm going to put my email in here. So you shoot me an email and we're going to hook you up with a gift certificate to craft treats. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to be mindful of the chill pills. And for those of you out there that would like to uh, to take part in the chill pills and you haven't won the contest, all you have to do is top in the exclusive code off the hook. Uh, go to crafttreats.com. Don't forget you save 20% with the exclusive code off the hook, but you've already won my friend. So let's go message board bingo. We've got more to give away now. I'm drunk at a bar in Tulsa. If you don't think we should hire Prime, <laughs> come here and I'll knock some sense into you. Sincerely, don't be dumb. I think I know who it is. And I think I want Dion, who was on 60 Minutes last night. Who I, I, know that. I want him to get a real gig because I would have said it's crazy five years ago. But with the NIL money that he can bring in, and he can just he can be like a way different Philip Fulmer. He can be the head guy who recruits, hire two good, well, one really good coordinator, one okay coordinator. And I think he can win at a high level. John is the first that said Oklahoma. No. No? I think I know who it is. We'll give 10 more seconds for a possible answer. What do we got? Okay. All right. Texas A&M. Nope. Okay, so repeat it one more time. I'm drunk at a bar in Tulsa. If you don't think we should hire Prime, come here and I'll knock some sense into you. Sincerely, don't be dumb. I, I, I would have thought Oklahoma. Brittany said Oklahoma. John said Oklahoma. Uh, John said Oklahoma State. Chris said Nebraska. No. All right. Uh, Brittany says Auburn. Yes, Brittany is correct. Brittany. We're going to have to get Brittany a dog. She's winning so much from craft treats. Yes. Brittany, you can have my dog, Thaddeus. He's on the back end, so I don't want to go through the emotional part of when he uh, hits that big pasture in the sky. So this would be a good time to give him away. You got to buy high or you got to buy low and sell high. So this would be a great time for me to get rid of my dog. Sounds great. I'm what joking. a wonderful person you are. I'm joking. You know I'm joking. I love Thaddeus. He was snuggling with me this morning. Again, uh, this message board bingo is brought to you by Craft Treats. Don't forget you save 20% with checkout, the exclusive code off the hook, and uh, we will uh, take care of you. So anything in closing? You want to add about the Vols and what you learned over the weekend, either about Tennessee or Alabama. I guess I learned that the the thing that Tennessee's players and Jacob Warren and Cooper Mays, who are on our YouTube channel, please like, subscribe, and share. The thing, Amanda, that I have learned is this team's inner confidence is for real. And they hinted at that in the offseason. I'm kind of like, yeah, whatever. It's an 8-4 and four team. In my mind, I didn't tell them that. But, no. Um, But do I think they're for realsies? Yeah. I mean, the narrative changed on Saturday. Would you agree with that? From maybe you beat Alabama to maybe you beat Georgia, but probably not. Well, you like them against Georgia. But most people nationally 
would have said, probably going to lose those games, probably going to stub your toe along the way, might lose to Pitt, might lose to LSU, on and on and on. The narrative has changed. This Tennessee football team is three and four in the rankings, and now the the expectations are just going to go through the roof. Well, yeah, but I think Tennessee fans will be happy, you know, even if even if they lose to Georgia, because I think that's their only real the real shot that they have is losing to Georgia. Or I could even see, you know, maybe the SEC championship having a rematch with Alabama, but I don't know based on the way that Alabama is playing, if that's even a possibility, because you could have all Miss in there. So who knows what's going to happen there? That, that oh, side. wow. But you know, be... I, I don't root for teams, but I root for stories. And if you that can give me right. Ole Miss and Tennessee in the SEC championship game, giddy up. Ole that's Miss great. would have to beat Alabama. Lane Kiffin would have to beat Nick Saban. I think that's going to be a hard feat for him. But again, with the Alabama team that we're seeing, um, with the with the coordinators that we got over there at you know in Tuscaloosa, that's very possible, a very big possibility to happen. Um, but oh, wow. other than other than Georgia and the SEC championship, there's not many teams that can hang with um, Tennessee. There's not many games, I guess I should say, where Tennessee has the possibility of even losing. I know we talked about maybe them dropping against Kentucky. I don't see that happening. I see Will Levis is struggling and in I think his shoulder injury is much worse than what we saw with Bryce Young. I think that whatever's ailing him over there, it was clear that they took him in to the locker room and shot him up. Like that was very clear when he came back on the field against, I can't remember who they were playing, but against, uh, was it? No, it wasn't Ole Miss. Who was it? Mississippi State. Against Mississippi State. It was very clear what happened at that, at that moment. But I don't, I don't, the sky's the limit for this Tennessee team. They're motivated to do something and to bring this fan base a, a national title. I mean, they're honestly, that's that's what we're looking at here. And I know before the season started, I said 10 and 2 is a possibility um, for them. I think 11 and 1, I mean, 12 and 0. And then, and then we'll see how it plays out in the playoffs. But I think Tennessee has a very real shot of getting there. And if Tennessee does get there, then Hendon Hooker has to be your Heisman candidate or your Heisman winner, not candidate, your Heisman winner, because USC got taken out. And I think that kills Caleb Williams's chance. I, I just do because USC plays literally no one. So no, I'm with you. I'm getting ready to write a column on that actually right now and off the hooksports.com like subscribe and share. Yeah, Tennessee could lose to Georgia. And if they were to win out, they would probably still make the college football playoff. Yeah, hands on they would. That, that happened. That happened to Alabama one year, right? Was yes. it Auburn, Auburn? Auburn made the SEC championship game, and Alabama still got in because that yes. was a loss. Okay, so yes. yeah, and I think when all said and done, people from other parts of the country don't want to hear this, but I think if you're looking, let's say you're looking at a USC team with one loss, just for instance, and you're looking at a Tennessee team with one loss to Georgia that wins the SEC, you got to take Tennessee, right? I mean, you have to. And just wait until the 12-team playoff comes around. I, I know I tweeted about this, but 
everyone thinks there's an SEC bias, Danny Cannell, at the moment, wait till the 12 team playoff comes in because at this sitting here right now, you would have Tennessee, you'd have Georgia, you'd have Ole Miss, you'd still have Alabama in there. That's four right now that would be guaranteed in that playoff, if not more down the down the oh, on the 12. Yeah, yes, yep. There's four right there that are guaranteed in that 12 team playoff. Yeah, I, I think the fact that they went to 12 showed the fact that the SEC is allowed to exert its power because there are going to be four and sometimes five. I think there's going to be four every year, but there's sometimes going to be five. Um, Nutrition World, great place to go get your supplements. Those supplements are so key. And the vitamin D, the vitamin E are absolutely essential. I take that. I love all of the supplements that I get through Nutrition World and uh, their e-commerce site, clean, easy, and it's just the way to go. So go to just Google Nutrition World and you will be able to go to that. I'll go ahead and give you the website now. But um, it, listen, it, it can make your uh, life incredibly better and you get the best prices and you know that you get the best quality. Go to nutritionw.com, nutritionw.com and shop for all of their products right now. And they come from the best manufacturers. You'll be glad that you did. Boy, can't believe you made me think that. Tennessee, Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, and the SEC Championship. That's what they call gold kids. Have a fantastic day, everyone. We're with you each and every weekday at 830. She's Amanda LaFrada, the muse. I'm just Dave Hooker. This is Off the Hook Sports.